I want to read now from the book of Acts of the Apostles. In the book of Acts, begins in the first chapter with the risen Christ saying to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and throughout the whole world. This text that I'm about to read from the 10th chapter of the book of Acts is about how that good news of the risen Christ is extending throughout the whole world. Here is Peter's sermon for the first time to the Gentiles. Listen for God's word for you. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. You know the message He sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, on this Easter Sunday we gather in the strength and by the power of the risen Christ and we come with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts. We ask that now you would quiet within us any voice but your own, that we may hear your word for we've come in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, Easter is here and all our preparations are finally complete. This is one of those days where we in the church want to be at our best and on top of our game. But... Churches, despite their best efforts, sometimes just don't get everything right. This past week, we celebrated April Fool's Day here in a staff meeting, and our business manager, Skip Obermiller, provided us a, a draft of the bulletin that had all the bulletin bloopers that we've collected over the years from different churches. Here are just a few of my favorites. One bulletin announcement read, For those of you who have children and don't know it, 
we have a nursery downstairs. On one occasion, an associate pastor unveiled the church's new stewardship campaign slogan, and it said, I upped my pledge, up yours. <laughs> this one hits a little close to home. The announcement read, Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests recordings of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> I'll be watching today, by the way. Huh? How about this one? Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of all those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> The title of my sermon this morning is Easter Changes Everything. Well, it may change everything, but I suspect there will still be bulletin bloopers and mistakes made in churches. But here's the thing. We, we take Easter very seriously. We just don't take ourselves too seriously. One cold January day in 2009, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 took off from LaGuardia Airport in New York and it was headed for Charlotte, North Carolina, but landed instead in the waters of the Hudson River after losing its power from a bird strike that took out its engine. I'm sure most of you remember that event and the survival of everyone on board which instantly made a hero of the pilot, Chelsea Sully Sullenberger. We all witnessed with tragedy a different outcome on the German flight this past week that tragically crashed in the French Alps. But you likely don't remember Eric Elias from that day in 2009 Elias was seated in seat 1D. He, his seat was the only one that was able to see and talk with the flight attendants on that particular day. And he said everything changed in a moment. After the pilot turned off the engines and that eerily silent plane glided barely over the George Washington Bridge and towards the Hudson River, his mind was filled with thoughts about his life and his work and his family. Rick Elias said he learned three things on that flight. Three things as he was sure he was about to die. He learned, first of all, that life can change in an instant. And therefore, he learned, don't postpone the life you intend to live. Daily embrace the opportunity that life provides. Don't put off what's most important anymore. Secondly, he said, I felt regret. Regret at the time I wasted giving priority to things that don't matter over people that do matter. 
and his marriage is all the better for it. He said, I haven't had an argument with my wife in years. He eliminates the negative energy in his life. And finally, third, he learned what was most important to him in that moment. And what was most important was to see his kids grow up. And he decided right there he would become the best father he ever could be. He concludes his TED Talk, if you want to see it, you can go to TED.com, by saying he was given the gift of two miracles on that day. He was given the gift of not dying and the miracle of seeing into the future and being able to come back and live differently. I guess the question for us this morning, this Easter morning, is what are we putting off thinking we have more time? How might we live differently if given a second chance? Because, see, I believe that Easter provides us with that ability to come back and live differently because we, too, know that life can change in an instant. And life has changed in an instant because of the risen Lord. And if we really begin to understand and perceive that, it will change the way we think. It will require that we reframe the way we understand life. Just like it did for Rick Elias. Jesus Christ has taken all of the negative energy of life upon himself and into the grave that we might know life and life abundant. Reframing. Reframing your life. According to psychologists like Dr. Don Capps, it's a matter of lifting a particular problem in life, the kinds of problems that patients going to psychologists are facing and lifting that out of a symptom frame into another frame that doesn't carry the implications of unchangeability. People get stuck in their lives believing they can't change. Caps illustrates this reframing this way. A house painter was standing on a ladder rather absent-mindedly painting the side of his house, and suddenly he felt movement on the ladder below him. He looked down and saw a little girl of about four years old on the third rung of the ladder climbing towards him. His heart leaped into his throat as he realized the danger this child was in. One slight misstep and she'd fall. His first instinct was to shout at her, telling her to go down. But would that frighten her and cause her to lose control? And would she fall between the rungs of the ladder as she reversed her course? So instead, he chose to greet her with a friendly hello and encouraged her to continue climbing. And as she proceeded upward, he reached down to her and tell Finally, she was within his grasp, 
He caught her up in his arms, and together they made their descent safely to the ground. The painter's initial instinct was to warn the little girl off the ladder, but quickly he considered the possible consequences of her attempt to reverse her own direction, especially if done against her desire to climb, and he calculated it would be too much and much safer for her to continue upward. He reframed the situation, and he violated his own instinctive reaction. Now, I think that's exactly what's happened to Peter in this story in Acts. He's reframing the entire situation of life, and he's violating his own instinctive reactions. Or rather, the Holy Spirit is reframing his understanding. See, after that first Easter, Peter and others had experienced the risen Christ, and they heard that word, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. And the first seven chapters of Acts tells the story of their witness in Jerusalem and Judea. The next 20 chapters tell the story of their witness to the ends of the earth. And you know what? Acts really doesn't end because it continues through us. And Peter begins this first sermon outside the context of the Jewish tradition by saying, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. See, the entire church was reframing, cracking open the treasure of the risen Christ for the entire world. Easter was moving throughout the world. And it required a reframing of everything so that they began to understand that everywhere people are invited to embrace the risen Christ. And they were given their lives back in a different way because Easter changed everything for them. They were part of an expanding community of people discovering that Jesus is Lord of all. All those old distinctions that they used to separate themselves from one another no longer mattered. One, one's nationality, one's ethnicity, one's religious background, none of it mattered that much anymore because there was this new identity in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine how hard that was for them? After a lifetime of focusing on purity, refraining from contact with these Gentile people, and especially Roman centurions, now Peter is realizing that God intends to include all people in this resurrection hope, this Easter good news. And that realization changes everything for Peter and the church. The good news of Easter is for everyone, everywhere. This Lord Jesus is the Lord of all. 
See, Jesus was turning the world upside down. He wasn't interested in land as much as life. It wasn't political freedom that was at issue, but freedom within. Where if we are imprisoned, it's by our own choosing. This wasn't another in a long succession of political efforts. It was a transformation to capture the hearts and the imaginations of those who would believe. It was an invitation to a whole new dimension of living. And for those who discovered this new dimension and who continued to discover it, what took place in those days has everything to do with how we live in these days. You see, the reign where Jesus is Lord of all, where those who follow Him live out their faith in their economic lives and their political lives and their civic and their relational lives, it goes beyond national interests. It transcends preconceived ideas. It's not the power of the sword. It's the power of God that matters most. Our very conception of power and strength and freedom are understood differently. We find life by losing life and by becoming vulnerable. We discover love by becoming loving ourselves. We see others as children of the same God. We're no longer finding ourselves somehow waiting for others to reach out to us, we reach out to them in love. We become part of the outreach of God's love in the world. Henry Nouwen tells a story that I think illustrates a little bit of what Easter is about. In his book, Our Greatest Gift, A Meditation on Dying and Caring, he relates this story that illustrates the difference between those who know Jesus Christ is risen. It means you and I can entrust the death of our loved ones and our own death to God. Now he tells the story of going to the circus in Germany and he became utterly captivated by the trapeze artists. They were called the Flying Rodleys. After a very pleasant phone conversation, they met and they became friends. Nowen followed them around Germany and he reported a conversation that he had with the leader who was known as the Flyer Rodley. And Rodley explained to him how they actually fly through the air in a circus. Quote, as a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public might think I'm the star, but the real star is the catcher. How does it work, Nowen asked. Well, the secret, Rodley said, is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly, I have simply to stretch out my arms and my hands and wait for him to catch me. The worst thing I can do 
is to try to catch the catcher. A flyer must fly, and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that the catcher will be there for him. Now that image for me gives new meaning to the leap of faith. Easter proclaims we have a catcher in Jesus Christ and therefore we are free to be flyers. We no longer have to live with self-preservation being our only goal in life. We can stretch out our arms and trust that God will indeed catch us. If you were given back your life today, how would you live it differently? Easter proclaims you have been given that life back. Easter proclaims in life and in death we belong to God. Resurrection is not just a far-off promise. It's a present gift. It's not the offer of hope for the next life only, but for this one. The influence of eternal life can reside with us now and it can work through us every day of our lives. For the believer, life is full of Easter's. We can live more fully, we can live more nobly, because we know we live eternally. And Easter is about how your life becomes empowered by this same joyous reality that is the source of life and love for all people everywhere. That not even the grave can conquer. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our living Lord. Amen.